Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I'm Kyle Mikey, joined as always by Ben Raven. We're the Lions beat here at MLive. Ben is back in Michigan. I'm still in Arizona. Ben, how you how you doing, buddy? I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, you know, it's just kind of been a weird week working. I feel I feel the West Coast uh complaints about the East uh Eastern bias. You know, I'm kind of working backwards <laughs> with the schedule here this week, but we're doing all right. <laughs> well, it's it's owners meetings week, which I don't think is really like on people's radar, um, like the casual fans radar, but it's actually a big information week from our perspective. You know, you get 32 billionaires together and they throw, they throw a pretty swanky party. <laughs> I've been covering this thing for forever and it's honestly been one of my favorite events. Um, you get the 32 general managers there, 32 head coaches. There's just a lot of availability, a lot of stuff leaking out. And we'll get to that Um in the pod today, we got five big things the Lions brass said uh, here in Arizona. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, Ben, I, I'm not in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made it as far as Tucson um, visiting a friend and um, she tested positive for COVID, had some symptoms. And so I was, I've been staying with her. So I, I tested uh, and tested positive with um, no symptoms or minimal symptoms that I would have even thought anything of if if I hadn't tested, but I did, and I was positive. <laughs> um, so that kind of shut down my ability to um, cover the owners' meetings, which is regrettable. I I, I am missing uh, all the free food. Um, mm-hmm. We're recording this, uh, what is it, Tuesday. Um, so tonight was be, would be the big party they they throw. Uh, I can tell you, Ben, 32 billionaires, they, they know how to throw a party. I've seen like steak bars i've seen oyster bars i i have seen every bar they have <laughs> and i'm instead isolating in a in a um, studio a studio apartment so in tucson about an hour and a half away <laughs> man oh, yep, yep definitely not the week you planned on for sure but we're rolling with the punches <laughs> yeah it's it well, it's it's rough on a, on a number of um, levels. Cause like I said, I, I genuinely on a personal level love covering the owners meetings. It's the, the NFL does a really good job. Um, and it's a, it's a cool week. And as a non-billionaire, I don't know that might surprise <laughs> you but as a non-billionaire, I get to see a different way of life and that's pretty cool. But even from a, a work perspective, it's always a very um, productive week. Um, a lot of off the record stuff happening, which is nice. It's really a, a, the best opportunity, I would say, in the entire NFL schedule to have a chance to just be a human 
around these guys, guys like Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, the owners, uh, you know, Sheila uh, Hamp has not spoken publicly um, at the owners meetings. She's hasn't before either really. She She's more private than most of the other, other owners. I would say more public than her parents, but more private than most of the other owners. Um, but you, you just get a chance to like connect with these people. They can, you know, see that you're a human being, they're a human being, everyone's just trying to do a job. And from a work perspective, that's always cool. Um, I've had some interesting <laughs> sit downs over the years that, you know, they're off the record. So uh, I'm not going to name drop, but um, yeah, it's, it's been um, illuminating. I've learned a lot about the game and how it works from covering these meetings. And then of course, the on the record stuff, you get breakfast with all the coaches, AFC one day, NFC the other day. You know, I mean, you can imagine what it's what's you know what it's like um, having breakfast with Dan Campbell for forty five minutes. I mean, not the trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was earlier today. Brad Holmes also spoke uh, in Phoenix to reporters. We have audio again. I wasn't there, just to be clear, but we have audio of those sessions. And Ben, there was a lot of stuff that happened this week. We've broken out um, five things that that uh, made a lot of news, and I think are, are worth chopping up. So. Shall we? Uh, shall we roll into this? I think, I we, think should. we should. I think we yeah. should. I'm I'm caffeinated like Dan Campbell and ready to roll. <laughs> um, fair enough. Yeah, I've been up since four thirty West Coast time, so <laughs> there's been there's been some caffeine consumed on this end too. Okay, first up, Ben. I really liked what um, well both of the guys, but especially Brad Holmes, what he had to say on C.J. Gardner Johnson. You know, Ben, we did the 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 free agency uh, episode last week and we were raving about you know these strategic signings that are culture fits and particularly in the secondary and how much they're going to remake what they're doing ben that was before they signed yeah. one of the best safeties <laughs> one of the best overall players uh regardless of position in free agency cj garner johnson um really unexpected and the lines also didn't expect it it's not like they went into free agency with kirby joseph and tracy walker and they're like hey we need to get another safety um but that's what they did, and they got. I mean, I, I love this addition for the Lions in 2023. Um, it's just the one year of the deal, Ben, but they're going to get the best version of this guy, and this guy is a very, very good player. So let's get to to Brad Holmes because I, I really liked how he broke down how this unsurprising, you know, how this surprising move um, came about. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, uh, when we talk about corners and, and talk about, you know, versatility and what we call position flex you know cj was a name that we've heard aaron glenn talk about uh for the past couple of years you know and you know it's always he's always been a guy that's always been you know um i don't want to say it's the example but we knew that that was the fit of what we're trying to bring and you know you see like he's he, he's he's a real dog and he's another guy that's a smart football player and so um again he was another one that we, we didn't know if it was going to happen or not, um, but, you know, um, we were fortunate enough that the market, you know, came, came came to a place that we were able to make it happen. But his familiarity with, with, with Dan and, and specifically AG, that was a, that was that was a big seller. And uh, we were very, very fortunate that uh, he's had that prior relationship. Expand on that. Did that come about late just because of the way the market developed? I mean, with him and you sort of. Yeah, because, you know, um, just being transparent, you know, um, first of all, like, our grades from our pro personnel department were sky high through the roof and um 
what he did as a safety. And, you know, luckily, you know, with the ball production I had, it, it was justified. And obviously, you know, we, we invested in Tracy and he's going to come back from his injury. And we, we fully he's on track. We fully expect Tracy to be back. And, and, and Kirby showed a lot of promise last year. So it's not like we were kind of like eager to acquire another like starting level, high level safety. But, you know, with the position flexibility that he has of to play safety, to play nickel and um, the way it all kind of went down is I just when I saw the grades and the ball production, and all that, it's like, OK, this guy's probably getting top, top safety money and uh, we're just not going to be in that market. And so as kind of probably midway through the week, I just kept following up with this agent and um, I, every oh, like my, my rides home. Usually that's a, my decompression <laughs> uh, space. But. I just kept calling Kevin, just kind of just checking in and saying, hey, man, what's going on? And uh, that just kept escalating, escalating. And then it escalated all the way up until I want to say like uh, Friday, we had a good conversation. And then Saturday, we followed up again, just internally as a group. And then even Sunday morning when it, you know, it was just another one of those routine calls and it just happened to escalate till you know we kind of got in a position where we could get it done so you're calling them on the way home from the office every day yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and usually it's just like maybe maybe a podcast or something or maybe some music but may often it's just quiet but uh but yeah i was making a lot of calls on my ride home but uh you know luckily it voted well for us Brad, since you phone calls how much time do you give these player agents to get back to you well, that, that's a good question. You know, um, the, the 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 big the big piece in that, Danny, is just the transparency and the openness and letting them know, like, you know, we are under some some kind of deadline or timeline because, you know, you can put all this emphasis in one player, but you don't know if you're going to get that one player. So, if you're putting all the all your your marbles in that basket, you know, all those other players that you're having dialogue with their agents. They might be signing elsewhere, so um, we just always kind of keep open, transparent dialogue with them. And um, but you, it usually works out good that way. What's the reaction like when you land a player like that, and it all comes to fruition for you? It was huge. I would say, um, you know, I was I was really really excited. Uh, I want to say it was about Sunday night. It was probably almost like ten o'clock at night, and you know. Um, you know, the kids were asleep upstairs and, you know, wife was sleeping. I basically woke the whole house up because when, when, we, when we got that, that done. But just a player of that caliber, um, how, how he fits like a glove in our defense and what he's going to bring to our culture and our style and how we want to play. And, um, you know, I got a I got a great text from Aaron Glenn as soon as, <laughs> as soon as it happened, you know, but um, but it, it, was, it was a good feeling. And again, you know, just another piece to add and bolster our uh, back back in but it's not just our back end it's just our defense as a whole you know it's just a certain way that we want to play defense and and he, he, he fits that too uh good stuff ben what did you take away from what what brad had to say about uh the pursuit of of uh cj no i really enjoyed that he talked about how his rides home are usually like his decompression space but it really kind of speaks to the level of player gardner johnson is that I'm following up with his agent. I'm following up with our guys. Like, what's going on? What's going on? I'm checking on Friday, Saturday, having another good talk Sunday. I think that just really talks to, like, when they saw that it was a possibility to add such a versatile, just kind of, like, game-breaking talent in the prime of his career, they leapt at it. And they were all over it. And they were making sure that they were going to get this guy. And they kind of 
kind of set, sounds like it started off that familiarity with Campbell and Glenn, and they just kind of fed off it from there, developed that relationship, and kept, kind of kept building it. I just loved hearing about that side of it. Like, I love hearing Brad Holmes kind of like gush about being a draft guy, but also kind of instances like this where it's like, I knew I wanted this guy. And it's like, instead of chilling out, I'm checking in on this guy's agent every chance I can get. Yeah, no doubt. They're they're lucky he was even available. I mean, again, he. I mean, I I love watching this guy play. He was a good player in uh, in New Orleans. Um, you know, uh, he became a, a starter as a as a rookie. Uh, moved into the starting lineup after that and has never left it. And in four years in the league, um, won three division titles. Most recently was seeing starring in the Super Bowl. Um, led the whole league last year in interceptions with six, which I think is really impressive because he was mostly a slot corner during his years in New Orleans, which by the way, was playing under Aaron Glenn. These guys go way back as you wrote on M life, uh, you know, a few, a few days ago about these guys going way back. Um, yeah. He was a good slot guy. Uh, then he goes to Philly where he was primarily a safety and was one of the best safeties in the league, led the league uh, in picks. Um the, the the versatility is is just so good and Philly tried to bring him back they tried hard they put the full uh, court press on him but Garter Johnson was holding out for more cash basically um, and eventually the Eagles knowing they have to re-sign Jalen Hurts um, yeah. just went in other directions they only had so much money to, to spend they had to take care of Darius Slay a couple of the guys uh, and basically, they they ran out of time and money to make things happen with Gardner Johnson, at which point he turned his focus to other teams in the league. And he has his prior relationship with Aaron Glenn going way back to high school, um, played for him in, in New Orleans. They have a great relationship. Uh, ben, it's like a perfect constellation of factors because there's no way this guy should have been available anyway. And even if he were available, he should, he should be making more money over a longer period of time than what the Lions could give a safety at this point after paying Tracy Walker last year, after drafting Kirby Joseph. They signed two like starting cornerbacks earlier in free agency. Like, There's no way they should have ended up with this guy, but they did. And, 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 and Holmes was sensing that it was possible. And like you said, he's like hitting up his <laughs> agent every day calling him in his car, whatnot. And I loved when he talked about the celebration in his household and how he woke up his whole house when that deal went done. And I can confirm what he said. It was like 10, 10, 30 p.m. on Sunday <laughs> as someone who had to, to work that. Uh, or thought I was going to have to work it. Um, you worked it because I didn't see the text for like 20 minutes. Because <laughs> it was 10 p.m. Oh, yeah. on a Sunday. Um, but um, it's a great fit for this defense, Ben. And... I don't know really where they're going to put him, whether that's safety or slot. I suspect it's going to be all of the above. And yeah. it's going to make that that secondary, which was so bad last year, so much better next year. No doubt about it. And I'm with you. I really, I really easily see him sliding back to slot, but at the same time, just like based on what he did under Glenn and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like, man, he was pretty good as a safety last year too. So there's a lot of things he can do with this guy. I don't think they'll pencil in him into one role, but man, he's – like what a splash that was what a just great job to go out and upgrade your defense with one guy like that love it so when you add this much talent as the lions have i mean three starting caliber players for 2023 um in in a matter of a week in free agency um between uh cam sutton um emmanuel mosley and cj gardner johnson 
someone's got to get squeezed out. And that someone is looking more and more like Jeff Okuda. So let's get to, to our second topic here. Ben, um, sticking with Brad Holmes, he addressed the contractual situation of Jeff Okuda. Um, well, you know what? Let's like he addressed the contractual situation, which was to not address it, which you wrote about. I actually liked what Dan Campbell said even more about what awaits Jeff Okuda when he when he comes back to the team um, this offseason. So let's go to Dan Campbell at breakfast this morning talking about um, Jeff Okuda and the fallout from from all the moves in free agency. Man, it adds depth, you know, and it adds competition. That's what it does. That's what we desperately need. So, like, I, I see those guys coming in and competing, he and Jerry, and, man, it, it's going to be, you know, and that's the other thing. Just because you acquired these guys doesn't that doesn't mean it's a lock that they start. It's probably a pretty good chance. That's why you acquired them. But, my gosh, the best guy's going to play, and they all know that. And all you do is you raise your level of competition. You raise the floor. And um, that's a good thing for everybody. Uh, pretty pretty self-explanatory. I don't think we have to dwell too much, Ben. I just, you know, I, I, it, it's more newsy than it is interesting, that that quote. Um, I, it, it's just, um, he's a former top five pick, uh, highest drafted cornerback in the history of the NFL. And yes, he's had setbacks along the way. He's not played well. He's had injuries. But this is the first time where, he, you know, we're hearing language like this about Jeff Okuda, where he's not assured anything really i mean when he's come back from every injury he's basically been assured a, um, a starting job and i know they had this quasi battle with will harris in camp last year when when okuda was coming back from the achilles but like that's why i'm calling it a quasi yeah. competition because like there wasn't in name a competition but when you're com the only competition you have for a guy is a failed safety playing outside cornerback for the first time um it's not really a competition. It's not like you brought in a Cam Sutton or an Emmanuel Mosley <laughs> uh, to legitimately compete for a starting job and presumably to win a starting job, which is exactly what's happened this year. And they've paid top dollar to do it. Then they bring in Gardner Johnson, who's probably going to spend some time at safety, particularly when Tracy Walker is working his way back. I assume we're going to see a bunch of them in the slot because that's where Aaron Glenn had him before. Um, they've got three starting caliber cornerbacks to bring in um, – Ben and you know they're gonna let Okuda compete as Dan Campbell said but if Jeff Okuda is not starting for this team in, in 2023 I would not be surprised I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to shop him at this point this offseason I don't know what kind of value mm -hmm. is out there we've had some you and I've had some discussions you know off air about that and whether they could move Jeff Okuda maybe he's a big enough name where you could package him for, for something um but I don't know if it would be much, um, and I just don't expect much from him this year, given what they have done now in, in free agency. No, absolutely right. And it's like like you said, he came back from that brutal rookie year as a starter. He comes back from the Achilles injury, and like you said, sure, it was a competition from Harris, but like we know what that was. This year, it's like it's cloudier than ever. And it's, 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 and I, I understand why people are confused about this fifth year option, but $11.3 million is a lot for somebody who isn't an outside starting cornerback or hasn't been full time through three years in the league. Now to your point is this potential value on the market. I mean, we're recently enough removed. Like we're, we're close enough to that draft where I can guarantee you there are still some coaches around this league that fell in love with Jeff Okuda and still think that they can get a lot out of him for sure on that. Now I'm not talking, they'll get a first, second or third round pick back for him, but like there is something that to that idea, because 
there's not a shining light at the end of the tunnel for him right now. I mean, he's competing with Jerry Jacobs for outside cornerback reps. Say what you will about Jerry Jacobs. He plays the way Aaron Glenn wants his cornerbacks to play. And we have not seen that type of style from Okuda consistently. And for the people like myself who kind of always thought safety could be a better hold for him, Kirby Joseph, Tracy Walker, and CJ Gardner-Johnson are all going to be better safeties than Jeff Okuda on day one. So it's just, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with him. I mean, I I, I don't think his option is going to get picked up. And like you said, I kind of, no. I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of with you. I kind of expect to hear some trade rumblings about him possibly getting his name uh, chopped around more so than the fifth year option. But uh, yeah, he's going to get a chance if he's still here in training camp, but I, I don't have optimistic feelings for Jeff Okuda in Detroit. Those are kind of gone right now. I think the only reason we haven't gotten resolution on the on the fifth year option is because they're trying to leave their, you know, the situation as open-ended as possible while seeing what their options are, especially as it relates to moving Jeff Okuda. Again, I, I'm more skeptical, I think, than other um folks on the beat. I I don't think they're gonna be able to move him for much, but you know, he'll be a good depth depth piece to have. As you know, there's injuries all the time, particularly at that position. It'll be good to have a Guy coming off the bench with his skill set. Um, but yeah, I, I think the outlook has never been more bleak for yeah. um Jeff Okuda's long-term future in Detroit. Let's get to um my favorite quote, probably from either of these guys. And it was like, I don't know, a matter of 15 seconds after Dan Campbell sat down at breakfast mm-hmm. on Tuesday morning in Phoenix. And I think he got a second sport coat, Ben. I, he's had he's rocked the one for <laughs> for his entire like two and a half years in Detroit. Um, this was a tan guy, rocking the tan suit. Um, I know Obama caught a lot of heat for that a couple of years ago. But, um, Dan Campbell can pull it off. Um, he sits down, makes a little chit chat, and then the very first question for him was about this like rising tide of expectation in Detroit. Right, like you've got this longtime loser that's never won anything suddenly one of the trendiest rebuilds in the league the favorite in the north the super bowl favorite out of the north this year um according to all the books it's weird every time you turn on espn or whatever there's there's someone singing the lines praises um so the expectation uh has risen and that's something that in mike's my 10 years on the beat like any time that 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 the lines have been able to get their act together and there's maybe, you know, maybe some more expectation for them. It's something they've always run from. Like I remember in, in, in 14, when they won a bunch of games and 15, when, you know, they were coming off winning a bunch of games. Um, they did not have the attitude of a heavyweight of a, of a favorite. They did not wear their expectation. Well, they felt it was like an uncomfortable suit, you know, mm-hmm. almost like Dan Campbell in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but these guys are not doing that. And anyone that's been listening for the past couple of weeks, past couple of months has heard that. They've heard guys like Alex Anzalone talk about um, embracing this this expectation that their win- window to win is now. And Dan Campbell, unsurprisingly, echoed that fearlessness um, at breakfast today. So let's 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 uh, let's listen in. About it's about raising expectations, you know. Like we need to be thinking that way, um, and er- everything uh, about what we do needs to have that type of purpose. Our standards have always been about winning, man. You know, you, you're you're trying to win every game, but ultimately, I think uh, to take the next step, man, you're shooting for the division because you do that, you win the division, you get a home game, and the rest takes care of itself. That's the next part of the process. Every team should want to go to the Super Bowl. 
I mean, every year. I said that two years ago, of course. Um, but I think we are positioned much better to, to swing with the big boys this year. Um, now, does that mean, I can't tell you what that means in win totals, but it means that that, that is the goal, man. we got to go get this division. Is the vibe different in the building and all uh, in that regard? I mean, you know, you say you want to win every game, but you kind of knew the expectations when you first got here. Yeah. When you go out and you, you take the approach you did in free agency a little bit more aggressive this year, um, can, can you feel like this this go for it sense through? Yeah, know, yeah, I do. It, it's, I was talking to actually Decker the other day. I just called and see how he was doing, and and we we got to talking about some things and and uh, talking about you know. Our ability to win games last year, uh, you know, once we got in that, we got in our rhythm, got in the groove, and it was the belief and what we were doing, the belief and and the guys around them, the coaches, the teammates, was at an all-time high, and and uh, I think there's a feeling that that'll be hard to lose. It would be hard to lose that uh, because I think there again, when you get the right type of guys and uh, have been put through the pressure our guys have. You know, and have come from where they've come from, man. You appreciate it a lot more. Uh, and then on top of that, you just keep stacking a little bit of talent. You keep upgrading. You keep bringing in reinforcements, and uh, the foundation is here. And then you bring in guys that are like-minded and about winning, and can play some ball and help you in areas. And uh, I think it's it's hard to fail. Ben, what do you think of uh, that baby? It's uh, quintessential Dan Campbell. We got to go get this division just the way we got to go get it. I, I mean, honestly, and like you said, I, I can't speak to the other teams that were coming off of strong finishes or playoff bursts, but uh, there was like a kind of like a coming to God with what this team is and what they're like supposed to be with on that like final 10 game stretch of the season. I mean, it's felt like a different locker room since those guys took over a couple years ago, but like that down the stretch last year, like, nothing felt like a surprise anymore. Like every win to that point, it felt like a surprise. Them the, the winning eight attempt games, it just kind of completely changed that. I mean, and they see it. They were talking about it last year with Rodgers potentially leaving the division with the Vikings overhauling, the Bears overhauling their front office and stuff like that. I mean, the time is now. I keep, I get asked about that every podcast. I just did Channel 7 with Jamie Edmonds the other day. It's like, no, the Lions are the favorite in the NFC North. Like, they should be. Like, this isn't a cute little offseason joke thing. So, I mean, it, Dan Campbell is Dan Campbell, but it's like there's no tiptoeing around the, the subject right now. It's it's time to go get this division. We're trying to win a Super Bowl every year. That's what he's saying, and that's what kind of he's instilled into these guys, and you kind of just felt it take over down the stretch, and now it's even stronger, I'd say. I'm telling uh, Jamie Edmonds, you think she works at Channel 7, just so you know. <laughs> what did I say? Four? Oh, Jen, no. You said seven. She's at four. Oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I I agree with you, man. I, yeah. I agree with you. And I think everyone's in agreement that this rebuild is way ahead of schedule. I think there's a lot of reasons for it. I don't think you expect them. I'm on Ross St. Brown, I'm Malcolm Rodriguez. Yeah. James freaking Houston and and back to back day threes. We're not even talking about the front end of the draft. Like they're getting budding star receivers like Amon Ross Saint, Ross Saint Brown in the the back end of the draft. James Houston number two on the sacks list mm-hmm. for for rookies last year. Only guy ahead of them, Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> I mean, they go out there in the top of the draft and they do exactly what they're supposed to. They go out and get cornerstone pieces like Aiden Hutchinson. Um, like Panay Sewell, um, I mean, who knows what they have, and Jamison Williams, but he's coming online this year too. Um, 
that's how you weaponize a rebuild. That's how you accelerate a rebuild. You you maximize your your resources, and they've they've done that as well as maybe anyone in the in the league in the draft. Uh, and they've been careful not to blow their money uh, and overcommit in free agency. And now they're shifting to a different level of free agency where they're going out and getting the impact players at at um at immediate needs. Um, it like like mm-hmm. you don't have to be a rocket scientist to to, to figure out where they're at then like the, the the window to win is open they're spending like it i suspect we're going to see them draft like it too um and it's really curious i'm curious to see what they do uh with the quarterback situation because they have the flexibility to go get a guy if they if they want one but i think their window to win is now they're spending like it um and they're embracing that expectation and i love that for this team again they 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 have never done that well in my time around Allen Park and it's easy to understand why they haven't won shit since 1993 they haven't won a playoff game since 91 haven't won a championship uh since 1957 and they painted those numbers on the back of the the, the freaking uh film room in case you forgot any of them you know um it's a it's an organization that has not handled even like the smallest amount of success well because they've never really experienced success and the mentality this time around is different. It feels different on Allen Park. They're embracing it. They're leaning into it. They're not pretending like it doesn't exist. They're not running from their history. They're embracing it. They're embracing the moment. They're 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 a team of the now, Ben. And I think we're going to see them operate like that, sound like that, and uh, ideally look like that. No, absolutely. And it's just, I mean. <laughs> The the talent acquisition phase is just kind of beginning this offseason, too, because as you said, I mean, the way they attack free agency completely opened up their draft board and they just so happen to have five picks within the first 83 and two within the top 20 again. So it's just it's I, I mean, we think we're at a precipice of like ex, like expectations right now. I mean, I can't wait to see where it's at in a month and a half after these draft picks are actually made, because I mean, it, it, the window to win is 100% now in the, not just the NFC North in the NFC, look around the NFC right now. I mean, it, it's open. It's wide open right now. Yeah. The AFC is a, a minefield because um, the quarterback play that doesn't exist in the NFC. You got, you know, Jalen Hurts was terrific last year. The Eagles, you know, the Eagles are the team to beat. Yeah. Um, San Francisco is very tough. Um, and maybe very, very tough, depending on how you view Brock Purdy. But Jared Goff is in the short list for like the next best quarterback behind behind Jalen Hurts. And it's weird to say, especially on this program, this program has been very critical <laughs> mm-hmm. of Jared Goff and to his immense um credit. Uh, he's fought through it both like off the field, you know, with how he's well, how well he's handled the criticism and now on the field with him playing some really good football. I think better than anyone outside the team expected. I think if Brad and and Dan were being totally honest with you, I think they would tell you that he's playing better than, than they thought too. I don't really think that they thought that, that you know, that Jared Goff was going to be their guy long-term and, and he might not be that, although he's played himself into that discussion. And I think, chances are very good at this point that the lines are going to roll with Jared Goff for the long term. Um, and that's Jared Goff's credit because he's played like that. And Ben down here, um, Jared Goff, unsurprisingly got another vote of confidence from this regime by way of um, Lamar Jackson, the, 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 uh, both Brad and, and Dan were asked about the Lions interests in Lamar, who has requested a trade. 
out of Baltimore. Brad didn't really say anything. Uh, Dan Campbell, unsurprisingly, did. <laughs> so let's, <laughs> let's, let's listen in. Yeah, look, Lamar's a heck of a talent, you know, uh, you know, trying to defend that guy has been something else. We played them two years ago, but man, we got a quarterback. So <laughs> I'm like, we got a quarterback and thank God we got one. Um, and, and so we're good, but man, I, I, he's a heck of a talent. You know, Ben, they, they've, they've found different subtle ways, I think, to vouch for Jared Goff over time. You know, maybe he's our quarterback for 2023, which leaves open the door long-term and and different variations of that. That was pretty damn definitive that Jared Goff is, is the quarterback of the now and the future for Detroit. And um, again, they, like they could draft anyone, like they don't have to do shit just based on what they said uh, at a swanky hotel in, in March. Um, And they, I mean, they could, Um, but the way they talk about Jared Goff, I, it, it just feels like they're, Fully committed to the guy. I think they partially committed before. They saw the way that played out in the media and how people were still hedging off of him and trying to figure out ways to send a first-round quarterback to them, Anthony Richardson. Now it's Lamar. I mean, the, the Lions are, I think, probably the trendiest team that I saw in terms of landing spots for um, for Lamar. And Dan Campbell comes out here this morning and is like, I'm like, you know, we got we got a quarterback and thank God we got one. um like he i mean and he's right like the price of a quarterback is immense getting lamar costs two first round picks plus basically a fully guaranteed contract um that's an an, a a serious investment and lamar is a serious quarterback a tremendous talent but if you got a guy who's already playing top five ball in this offense you know what you got in him like he's got obvious deficiencies and we've talked Mm -hmm. so much about that ben um but at that price point, hanging on to two first-round picks, um, of, of course they're going to hang on to Jared Goff over Lamar Jackson. That that never really made sense to me, and I think the Lions are just basically coming out and saying that. Yeah, and they've done a really good job at committing to Goff this offseason, like you said, like much more than they had last offseason. Of course, that's based on his play, but this was the most like stamp of approval that like the head coach or general manager has said for him. I mean, seriously, getting asked about Lamar Jackson and laughing – and just saying, yeah, we're good, man. We're good. We got one. Like that's yeah. not like everything you've heard us say about Dan Campbell. He's genuine. That's not that's not a play. He's not playing. He's not playing a game here. I feel very confident in saying that. But just like, yeah, that just I mean that just absolutely speaks. And I mean, while Brad Holmes is never going to come out and fully say that, he's always going to end with, "There's never going to be a player we won't look at if he's going to make our team better." I mean, Dan Campbell will send it home and be like, "Nah, we're good." Just just uh, quite quite the commitment to golf. I mean. Like you said, we've we've said everything that needs to be said about him, but I mean everything he's done. Earning earning praise is the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFC. I mean, it might have broken my brain, but he still earned it, and I can't really disagree with it. So that's where they're at with that. No doubt. Um, I will say just to piggyback off what you said, Ben. You know, I've been around this game for a decade, and I've covered I think four different head coaches, including interims, maybe even five. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. But going back to Jim Schwartz. Um, Dan Campbell by far, I mean, by, by many, many measures is the most honest of them all. Um, what he says he means and, and he means it in the ways that matter most, which is with his players, you know, he, like the players that we talk to love the honesty of this regime and they will let 
players know directly where they stand. You know, this is what you need to do to win a starting job. This is what you need to do to not get cut. Like when they get cut, it's like, we just, we asked for this and we didn't get it. I mean, players really like the clarity they get from these guys. Um, Campbell's honesty also extends to the ways that don't really matter for a coach. It's nice for us, but like he goes up into a press conference and says what's on his mind. He says Mm -hmm. the truth. Um, I've never really seen that before. He's not playing games. I don't think he has a smoke screen in his body. Um, and so when he has that definitive of a quote about Jared Goff, I mean, Goff is going to start for this team in 23. That's true. Even if they take a guy, um, at, you know, in the top five, um, of this draft. Um, but it remains true. I think going forward, um, at least right now, I mean, we don't know what, what, you know, what kind of opportunity they'll have if there is an Anthony Richardson that maybe falls to six, but as of right now, I think more definitively than ever, Jared Goff is the is the quarterback of the now and the future of the of the Detroit Lions. Um, let's uh, get to our last little clip here. Eh? Um, I, I did want to get to um, to Brad Holmes talking about Jamal Williams, and uh, it just felt kind of fair because Jamal Williams had gone out there after things broke down between uh, between him and the Lions. Um, the line signed David Montgomery, I think a matter of hours later, maybe even less than that, um, Jamal Williams turned around and signed a deal with the New Orleans Saints, and he called the Lions offer disrespectful, which I think was surprising to a lot of people, given his stature with the organization and how mutually beneficial his stay here was. You don't typically hear dirt from that, you know, like that from a player like that. Um, and yet Jamal was clearly unhappy. Um, and now we got Brad's side of the story. So let's hear Brad Holmes on Jamal Williams and the um, negotiations that broke down here uh, earlier this month. Yeah, so just like I told you guys at the Combine, you know, it was mutual interest. Uh, we, we wanted Jamal back. Um, me and Jamal had a good conversation at the end of the season about, you know, um, his, his desire to want to come back. And, um, and that was legit. And when we left the Combine, you know, we had – had a conversation with his agent probably like either right before or after that I spoke to you guys there. So um thought that he was heading in the right direction. And, man, I, I, I love Jamal. You know, one of the greatest stories is, you know, when we first signed Jamal. Well, I, even, I don't know if I even told you the backstory. Jamal was like a target uh, to add in free agency when I was – when I was interviewing for this job, just to um, be able to, to 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 pair DeAndre Swift with a guy like like him, so, and then when we signed Jamal, um, we was you know in this conference room that's got a big old Lions logo, and we just kind of banged the wall and said, "Man, this ain't gonna be the same." And it's just everything that you guys know about Jamal, you know, and, and on top of his ability as a running back, those are all things that that made us want to bring him back, and um, you know. From a budgeting and planning standpoint, uh, pre-free agency, you know, we um, had an allotment of resources set aside really for Jamal. Um, Didn't really even um, really consider another running back, um, you know, higher than that amount of resources that we set aside for for Jamal. And, um, you know, business happens and, um, you know, that's that's, that's part of this business. And um, it just just didn't work. Um, But... You know, um, we were um, 
you know, we we tried, we were, um, but, you know, when the market crystallized and it got to a point where um, David w w was in play, um, kind of within the range of resources that we had set aside, um, then, you know, that's that, that that's when we went ahead and um, went forward with David, which we're extremely excited about. Um, he's, a, he's a very good football player. He's one of the guys that, you know, me and Dan talked about a lot about when we play them. I mean, you know, yes, you're definitely concerned about fields running, but really concerned about David Montgomery. Just kind of, he's, he's a hard guy to bring down. I mean, ever since college, you know, I, I would say he's always kind of been at the top of uh, forced tackles missed. And, um, you know, he's just, he's a hard guy. He's a tough runner. He's good in the passing game. He's a good runner. Um, so it's, a, he, he, he's a great addition, but definitely um, we try to make it work with Jamal. It just, it just didn't happen. Okay. So let's, uh, you know, peel back the layers just a little bit. You know, the, the, the sense that I get from talking to folks and reading some, you know, tea leaves from what Brad said um, sounds to me like, Basically, they wanted Jamal back and they made him what they viewed as a competitive offer. I think it was probably, you know, not as much as they gave David Montgomery, but probably in that same range, which was three years, 18 million. And they made that offer to Jamal and he uh, sat on it or his agent sat on it. And the market continued to evolve and the Lions were getting nervous. They might miss out um, on the kind of running back they wanted to um, you know, complement this offense. Uh, and so they made a move and I like the move for Detroit. I mean, all things being considered equal, like uh, David Montgomery is more productive um, slightly. I mean, it's comparable. The yardage is like per uh, carry is compa comparable, but Montgomery played behind a worse line, um, better pass catcher, two years younger. You pay a small premium for that. I think uh, Jamal Stein signed for three years, 12 million. Um, so you pay a little bit more money, but you get a younger back who's breaks way more tackles, better pass catcher. I mean, they got the better player and you're going into a win now. Like this is their window to win, Ben. So now they have a better running back, uh, extremely durable guy. Uh, it's a, it's a good move. They do lose something in the locker room. And I think that's where they'll feel the loss the most. Um, they'll need some other guys to step up into the, into the leadership void. And I'm sure we'll see that process play out in the coming coming months. Um, but clearly, um, there was mutual uh, interest between Jamal Williams and the Lions. But but the negotiations negotiations broke down. Jamal was very upset. He called the Lions offer disrespectful. The Lions contend um, that they made a respectful offer um, in the ballpark of what they paid David Montgomery. What was your take on what when you heard what Brad had to say in that whole situation? You know, I appreciated his answer. He's trying to be as honest as possible in that answer. And I, I, I do believe him uh, to an extent, uh, just kind of, I, I appreciated that he kind of captured all the feelings of like the confusion among the fan base, why it was, why Jamal was so important to the franchise. I mean, telling that story of him banging the Lions logo in the conference room and saying that's not going to be the same, that really captures what lured Jamal Williams to these fans around here. Like he, he didn't just sign with this team. He kind of embraced it as part of his DNA and made it a point to like, I'm going to help turn this thing around. So I, I appreciated Brad kind of like acknowledging that. I, I, it's tough for me to figure out. Cause you know where I stand on Montgomery versus Williams. It's an on-field upgrade. You're getting younger. You're getting more explosive. You're getting elusive. You're upgrading 
your pass catching ability at both running back spots. I did find it interesting to say that we had an allotment of resources set aside for Jamal and we didn't consider signing somebody kind of until what you just laid out with the agent kind of sitting on the deal or what have you, what happened there. But uh, yeah, it just, it does sound like it was a torn decision to make, but at the end of the day, it sounds like they made the, the, the tough decision. It was like, all right, he's sitting on that offer. We've got a chance to get younger, to get better, to get more explosive in the same kind of, ballpark of what we were had set aside for Jamal so let's go ahead and do that and you know maybe that's what disrespected Jamal it's the first time we've heard something like this happen with this new regime and it's like the last person he would have expected that from like a couple of months ago so kind of just a strange ending to like a marriage that kind of felt like a perfect match for most of their time here but uh yeah appreciated Brad's answer he did the best that he could with that answer for sure I I think one thing that's gone a little bit unsaid in this discussion about Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams, Tate Montgomery, is this is natural pain that occurs in a rebuild that occurs when you're on the ascent. And I, it's been a number of years since the Lions have been on the ascent. So maybe <laughs> folks have forgot. But when you're getting better, when you're entering a, a window to actually win something, you're going to have to replace players. Like you want to get better. That's the point. And Jamal functioned so well in his role mm-hmm. as the between the tackles guy, the, the goal line guy. I mean, the 17 touchdowns last year, I think, Ben, I think 13 of them, if memory serves, were from the one-yard line, yeah. line. And I'm not taking anything away from Jamal. The record, you know, breaking Barry's mark for, for touchdown runs in a season, um, 17 of them is extraordinary. He had 1,000 yards, so clearly Jamal was productive uh, in a lot of ways. But I think that sometimes people get a little, like, nostalgic or romantic about him because he's so likable uh he gives these great interviews and all these things but like there was a stretch in the second half of the season where he was is bad the word i mean i think he ever yeah no, he yeah. to carry for like two months at one point um and the lines would have lost games if not for for jared goff basically carrying the offense for a few weeks when they couldn't couldn't run the ball mm-hmm. and jamal williams is a big reason for that i mean deandre swift was banged up and now Jamal is a year older. I think he, I think he's 28 or turning 28, something like that. Coming off two high usage seasons, um, good fun year. But um, I think they view David Montgomery as a better player. He's he's more elusive. He breaks more tackles. He's more consistent. Mm. He's not a star. Like you know, he's not going to be. He's not going to break a game or anything. Um, but for the you know for the Jamal Williams type of function in the offense a guy that gets you to the next set of downs the guy who pounds the ball into the end zone um i think Montgomery is better he's more elusive he breaks more tackles and i think the pass catching ability really sets him apart too um it's a better fit for this offense which really thrives on creativity using guys in in different spots in the offense you think of an Amon Ross St. Brown lining up all over the place or DeAndre Swift when he's healthy. That's when this offense is at its best. And a guy like Montgomery fills that better than Jamal Williams. A little bit of drama on his way out the door, but like I think bottom line is the goal in a rebuild is to get better. The goal going into a win-now season is to have the best players possible to achieve what you want to achieve, and I think they have that in Montgomery. 
No, I agree too. And to your point, I mean, Williams, 415 carries over the last two years. He had 500 through his first four in Green Bay. We haven't seen how he responds to that workload. Turns 28 next week, as uh, as you correctly said right there. So, uh, yeah, it's a tough decision. It's a tough decision for Brad Holmes, it sounds like. It sounds like it's, I mean, it still has kind of annoyed a lot of the fan base just because this was an easy guy to love who performed out of his drawers last season. But, yeah, I mean, Montgomery just screams as someone that's like, this guy has a lot more to offer if you actually put him behind an NFL offensive line. And, like, no offense to the individuals on the Bears offensive line, but that's pretty safely been the worst offensive line in football the last two years. So it's kind of like you're going to build your foundation through an offensive line, get a guy that's going to be able to take full advantage of it. Not saying Jamal didn't this past year, but this past season was an outlier for him. Year six, first 1,000-yard campaign. First time with over five rushing touchdowns. So that's like an extreme outlier. So yeah, I- I'm in agreement with you. Tough decision had to be made, but that's where this thing's at in this stage of the rebuild. There's going to be more of those down the line. Yeah, if things continue to go well, which to this point they have. The the momentum is insane, Ben. We're only we're recording this on March 28. Uh <laughs> yeah, they got us. the draft I to know. come. They have <laughs> then they have five of the first 81 <laughs> picks in the draft. They have two of the first 18 yeah. picks including one of six, like in addition to winning eight of 10 down the road last year with the youngest roster on the field in the NFL uh, with what they've done in free agency now, particularly, particularly in the secondary mm-hmm. um, addressing, I would say most of their most immediate needs. There's some, some remaining guys in there, including a uh, interior defensive line, but to win as much as they did in the second half of last year, with the roster they had and the lack of experience that I had, but now it has an extra year uh, to get older and you plug the most immediate needs with that kind of free agent class going into a draft where you have about as many resources as almost anyone um, top five or top 10 for sure. It's easy to understand the, 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 the praise and I'm just not used to it as a Lions <laughs> I'm just not, I'm not used to it. I don't think that either. And that, that's why I was, it was fun to come down here and I know I didn't cover the meetings, but like to hear some of the things they had to say um, as they start to gain more notoriety in the league and more acclaim and, and start, people start to pay more attention. I mean, this team matters more now than it ever has. It's more relevant than ever. I think, you know, when we see the schedule come out in a few weeks, we're going to see more primetime games, yeah. and all that kind of stuff, because uh, the, the the time is now for Detroit. Yeah, so long to our cushy 1 p.m. Sunday job. I know. I know. <laughs> I need a new job. All right. Let's get out of here. Ben, good stuff. Uh, I'll see you back uh, in Michigan here uh, next week. Yes, sir. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Live's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an M Live Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.